Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Hi, thanks for joining me. This is Dr. Fred. And the title of this particular episode is called Ready to Go Gluten-Free. Well, before we get into that, I just wanted to point out uh, that for the past two weeks, I've been dealing with a serious bout of poison ivy. I was, I was stupid to not realize that the tree that fell over in our yard and needed to be cleaned up was literally covered with poison ivy at the top. And the problem was that I was not at all used to seeing poison ivy leaves and woody vines connected to it that large. I mean, they were huge. It's crazy. I've had to go to urgent care twice for steroid shots and prednisone packs, but after a few weeks, I seem to be on the mend. And that's why I've been away from writing and doing audio blogs. But I'm back, hopefully. But moving on, uh, we want to take a few minutes to highlight a few verses from Matthew 24, 5 to 12. And this, you'll probably recall, is the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus teaches and reminds his disciples of what's coming down the pike toward the end of the age. And that age is the age in which you and I are currently living, by the way. Now, I'm aware that not everyone agrees that Jesus was pointing way down the road to this particular time, and they tend to believe he was pointing only ahead maybe 40 years or so to the destruction of the Jewish temple standing during his day. Now, I believe this event was included in what Jesus referred to in Matthew 24. However, there appears to be a much larger picture if we look at the context. Let me quote from verse 5 to 12. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass." but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, the NIV version of the Bible includes a headline at the top of the chapter, which says, quote, the destruction of the temple and the signs of the end times. And the King James Version or the New King James Version provides something similar. The general consensus among translators and commentators is that Jesus is looking ahead to a near event, the destruction of the temple, as well as a far event, the events that would occur during the time in which he physically returns to this earth. So I say we need him desperately now, wouldn't you? Things will not improve on their own. And for those who believe they will, it seems they may be kidding themselves. The reason I've titled this particular episode, Ready to Go Gluten-Free, is not to make light of what's coming, but to simply point out in terms that are easy to understand that the world is moving toward a looming global wheat shortage. Everything I've been reading talks about the fact that Russia and Ukraine, two countries that yield a wheat crop, normally a high-yield wheat crop, are not able to do so because of these wars and rumors of wars that constantly 
percolate around their situation. We're heading into a huge global famine due to a shortage of wheat. But consider the fact that so many products use wheat in some form, and you'll soon realize how much of a shortage the world is on the cusp of experiencing. And I mean, if you if you stop to consider it, Jesus paints a rather frightening picture in the above quote from the text from Matthew 24. There's really no way to see his words as allegorical or hyperbole. He's telling us point blank that as things move toward the time of his physical return, the following conditions will exist throughout the earth. And there's nothing that we can apparently do about it. All of these things will lead up to what Jesus calls the beginning of, the, of sorrows. False Christs and major deception, wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. Now, we've known that false Christs, as well as false Christians, have been with us for some time. In fact, they were prevalent in Paul's day. He wrote about them. The situation has simply grown worse, obviously, since then, 2,000 years later. There are many today who pretend to be authentic Christians while using godless rules for radicals, written by Saul Alinsky. These people literally want to tear down anything that God stamps with his approval. Case in point, without naming names, recently a big name left the Southern Baptist Convention. He was president over a specific arm of the SBC. He had been there for a number of years and recently left to go to another religious organization. Now, apparently, either he or someone known to him leaked some documentation showing how the SBC and their lawyers turned a blind eye to an alleged culture of sexual misconduct within the SBC. The leak was picked up by mainstream media news, and now it's all over the news. Well, the difficulty is that there are huge problems with the leak. While the culture of sexual misconduct, if it does exist, should have been dealt with early on and apparently was not, things have been made worse by someone who calls himself a Christian and chose to deliberately leak or allow someone known to him to leak documents to the pagan news media. The media jumped all over it as they would because it was the chance to show hypocrisy within a major Baptist denomination. Is anybody surprised that there's hypocrisy within Christendom? No. And especially if you go to the parable of the wheat and the tares, you understand why that sometimes that can be prevalent. Well, the tragedy here is that because the SBC lawyers did not act and because people went to those lawyers instead of law enforcement, when sexual misconduct allegedly occurred, things were stonewalled. The people who were claiming sexual impropriety and misconduct should have gone right to law enforcement, not necessarily to uh, the people at the SBC. Nothing was accomplished because of this. But in reality, what this particular individual who leaked or allowed to leak to the media did was nothing less than live by the rules for radicals in an attempt to take down the SBC. So he's out of the SBC. He's with another organization. And apparently he doesn't care or wants something to happen to the SBC. There's nothing Christian or God-fearing about this in my mind. He did not follow, as far as I can see, the biblical admonitions in Matthew 18 and elsewhere. This other very important issue is that there is a biblical way to handle the allegations, which wasn't done. Let me ask one simple question, though. The, the individual who left the SBC, why didn't he do anything personally at all 
while he was president of a specific arm of the SBC. He certainly had the power then, but why didn't he exercise it to right wrongs? Did he? Did he try? I don't know. Doesn't seem like anything happened. Instead, it appears he may have done absolutely nothing but on his way out the door, he let the godless mainstream media know what had been going on for years. There's something seriously wrong with all of this, and in my book, this particular gentleman is culpable. I'll leave that for God to judge. There is a, um, a sermon by Reverend Danny Jones and his take on the whole issue. And he does name names, by the way. I've included that link in the transcript. Reverend Jones is a pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Northern Georgia. And he emphasizes that all Southern Baptist churches, by the way, are fully autonomous. They, the SBC convention has no power to dictate to specific churches, what they can, what they can't do, et cetera, et cetera. So he, he makes some very interesting points if you're interested in that. But moving on, Jesus also talks about wars, rumors of wars and infighting among nations and kingdoms. Well, are we seeing that today? Absolutely. And the most recent thing we're seeing is between Russia and the Ukraine and the neocons who are pushing for World War III. Now, if you go on any social media, You'll clearly see the division. It's very apparent. People support Ukraine with a flag or not. And just like they support being vaccinated or not, the dividing line is simple to see. And it's really just virtue signaling. I find it fascinating that these people end up supporting true Nazis in Ukraine. That's okay, though, according to them, because it's a small group, while condemning the alleged specter of Nazism in the USA under nationalism. It, it's just too convenient uh, the way people ignore and accept things. But historically, we've learned, this is proven in history, although it's not taught today, that wars always wreak havoc on economies. Pestilence, disease, hunger usually follow every major war. This one is going to be no different. I find it fascinating that Jesus mentions wars, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in the text I read. We've got all of them happening today. And I believe this is why Jesus specifically points out the coming famine in uh, number five list above that I mentioned. So when CV, COVID, a pestilence was first revealed and economies went into lockdown, by the way, the first time in history in all my 65 years of living, the supply chain immediately began to take a hit. So most didn't realize it, though, at the time, because things were still available and those essential stores that were allowed to stay open. Meanwhile, small businesses were put out of business. But then we began to hear about the shipping container situation and how things were stalled in China's ports, as well as other ports on both the east and west sides of the USA. Many ports were shut down due to CV, so nothing moved. All right, so segue a few years later, and this is still happening along with other things as well. Now, roughly 39 million chickens and turkeys throughout 37 states in just the United States have been destroyed to what health experts are telling us is the avian flu, all based on the PCR testing, by the way. So we've got 40 million birds gone. That means no chicken or turkey meat or eggs that can reach stores. It's gone just it's not there anymore what do you do with that well they're gone wheat has been upended due to cb restrictions and shipping as well as the war between russia and ukraine a quarter of the world's wheat supply from russia ukraine is no longer available to the world shipping 
is not happening across the Black Sea due to the belief that there are mines planted there. We're also seeing the results of high fuel prices due to the war between Russia and Ukraine and the sanctions that the world, including the USA, has placed on Russia. And interestingly enough, those, those sanctions are not hurting Russia in the least, but they are killing economies of the rest of the world, including the USA. How many of you are paying $5 a gallon or more? Biden has made things worse by pulling drilling permits for Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico, as well as canceling the Keystone Pipeline when he first took office. So we've got to consider the fact that potential output is always considered part of the supply and demand, right? So once these drilling permits were pulled, disallowing any oil drilling, the potential oil for the USA had gone way down. It just simply went way down. And uh, we don't have that potential anymore. So what do we do? Well, now uh, Biden has resorted to begging foreign countries for oil, which of course makes no sense. Why is the carbon footprint, quote unquote, somehow less if we get our oil from foreign nations as opposed to the drilling for it here in the United States? Not to mention the hundreds, if not thousands of people out of work here in the USA because of those uh, pipelines and permits being shut down and pulled. You know, when my wife and I go to the grocery stores, we notice that there are larger areas of empty space than there were previously. And this is due to the fact that the supply chain's inability to catch up exists. Um, there it is. Experts warn that going into 2023 will bring severe global famine. Well, what can we do about that? Well, the only thing I'm aware of is to try to stock up on things we may need, but probably won't be able to get in the future. We won't, we won't be able to mitigate against the coming famine, that's for sure, but we may be able to help ourselves and forestall things just a bit. I think Ephesians 6.13 speaks not only of the whole armor of God, but it applies maybe in a situation like this. It says, wherefore, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That's the ASV. So there's a point at which we do what we can do, trusting God for his faith, in faith for his strength and his uh, courage and ability to do what we need to do. And then once we've done all that, we just keep standing, trusting in him. There needs to be some effort on our part and God honors it. We do what we can, not out of fear, but out of faith, and God provides where we lack. And this is true in the area of his armor and other areas as well. Psalm 37 is a wonderful psalm, and I've linked to it in the transcript, that promises certain things to God's children. There's some conditions to be met, though, so please take the time to read the whole thing. We are not to waste time worrying about evildoers. They, they shouldn't really cross our mind. They will, but they shouldn't plant themselves there. We shouldn't be preoccupied with them. We are to simply continue trusting in the Lord and to do good. As we commit our way to him, he will bring his will to pass in our lives. We shouldn't be wasting our time being angry at all the evil in the world as that accomplishes nothing good within us. Instead, we should be understanding that God himself will personally cut off evildoers. We will actually one day diligently look for them and we won't find them at all. This psalm also promises that God provides during times 
of famine. You and I did not create what's coming. And unless the Lord personally intervenes, it is not going to be a pretty picture at all. There is much suffering coming. And for those who cannot see that, they will likely suffer the most. Our eyes need to be on the Lord to trust him for his provision. There are only two ways I know how to begin trusting in him and both require effort on our part. First, we've got to immerse ourselves in his word, in his written word. If we're not willing to read, study, consider, and obey his word, we will be disobedient. We will be being disobedient. God will not bless. He will simply not bless the person who lives in disobedience. He will chastise. He will do what he can to correct that person, but he will not bless that person. Second, another way to immerse ourselves in his word is by listening to praise music that is actually scripture put to music. And in my opinion, I think overall, Maranatha music, there's a link to it in the transcript, does a great job of this. And it is a wonderful way to learn and focus on his word. It is just a constant reminder. Singing helps us memorize scripture. Get your mind on God. Leave leave your mind where it should be so it's focused on him and uh, the blessings that are yours through him can come to us. Let me leave you with a video linked in the transcript of Guy Penrod singing Revelation song. It will lift you up. It will it will point you to Jesus. I'm sorry about the ads in front of the video, but you can just turn the volume off until those ads are gone. That's what YouTube does. But thanks so much for joining me. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 